Hello and welcome to St. Paul's United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Mike Agnew and it's great to have you listening. We have Sunday school at 9 o'clock and worship at 1010 and we are located at 531 West Main Street in Cherokee, Iowa. You can go to our website at CherokeeMethodist.com and you can find out our, well, you can find our most recent bulletin, you can find a year's worth of newsletters, you can see upcoming events, and you can also link to our YouTube channel where you can watch live or recorded services. Now today, uh, we're continuing our series of sermons looking at different parables of Jesus. Parables, again, were stories that Jesus told. They're usually made up, but they were stories Jesus told to teach us about living in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven which doesn't mean heaven, but it refers to living life under the control of God now. So each week we're taking a look at a different story. And today's story is about a landowner who hires people throughout the day to work in his vineyard. He goes out early in the morning and he finds workers. Then he goes out again at 9 o'clock, then again at 12 o'clock, and then finally one last time at 5 p.m. Now the obvious question here is, Why is he hiring people all the time like that throughout the day? I don't know. We're not told. Maybe he had a hard time finding enough workers. Or maybe since it's a made-up story to make a point, maybe it's simply nonsensical to ask that kind of question. But, you know, what we do know is that he explicitly agreed upon a certain amount of money to pay the first group of workers who started at the beginning of the day. The other people, we don't know if they agreed on a certain amount of money, but the Bible doesn't mention it. So then at the end of the day, when the workers are paid, those that only worked for one hour were paid the same amount that those early in the morning had agreed to. Let me repeat that. At the end of the day, when the workers are paid, those that only worked an hour were paid the same amount that those who worked all day had agreed to. So those who worked longer After seeing what the people who worked an hour were paid, they're like, oh boy, we're going to be paid a lot more. But they weren't. All were paid the same, regardless of how much or how little they worked. Well, the workers, of course, protested this practice, but the landowner said, hey, I agreed to pay you this amount. As far as the other workers are concerned, I can do what I want with my money. All right, so that's the parable. Kind of a strange one, isn't it? Now, the Bible doesn't explain this parable for us, which means the best we can give it is an educated guess. But as we explore its meaning, I want to start by stating the obvious. This is an unfair situation. It's unfair that those who worked an hour would be paid the same as those who worked all day. If that happened to you, most would, you might think twice before working for this guy again, except for the fact that you take whatever work you can get. But this is unfair labor practice. In a world world where we're used to the idea of getting paid by the hour, those who worked one hour had a much higher hourly wage than those who worked all day. I think if this were a true story, it would be right for the protesters to protest. It's also right, on the other hand, for the landowner to say that he can do whatever he wants with his money. But come on, this seems really unfair. This is a parable that only makes sense when we think of it as a lesson on God's grace. First, we must see how the landowner shows grace to his workers. You know, 
the people would find work back in those days. Not everyone. Some people had jobs, but those there were many people who they didn't just live paycheck to paycheck. They lived day to day. They would go out and they would try to get hired, find some work for that day. And if they were able to find work, they would get paid to buy food for that day for their family. And if they didn't find any work, then they might not get any money for that day. And they might not have food. So when the landowner decides that each worker will get a day's pay, no matter when it was that they were able to find work, he's giving them all the gift of a day's wages so that they and their families can eat. Now, is that fair? No. Is it gracious? Yes. But only to those who didn't have to work as long. You see, grace itself, by its very nature, is unfair. Grace is undeserved favor, similar to forgiveness. When a wrong is committed against another person or God, what should happen? Well, justice says there should be a punishment. You do the crime, you do the time. But grace, on the other hand, says your wrong will not be held against you. It's not just or deserved, but it's grace. Grace is given not because you deserve it, but because God loves you. Now, that being said, are there consequences for sin? Sure. Oh, yeah. For instance, it would be unsafe to let others, you know, it would be unsafe for people who commit violent crimes to just not have any consequences for their crime and to just go back into society. That wouldn't be safe for other people. Sometimes there are consequences because people would be a danger to others, right? Uh, there can be consequences that inevitably come as a result of what was, what we do when we wrong someone. There are those inevitable consequences. But there can still be grace even in the midst of that. Sometimes grace looks different depending on the situation. Sometimes it means there are consequences, but you're not going to hold it against them. Or sometimes we can show grace in a way that there doesn't have to even be very much in the way of consequences. It really just depends on what it is. But sometimes God's grace can seem really kind and sometimes really unfair. Kind when towards us, of course, and unfair when towards others. Nonetheless, God is the grace giver and he can give it to anyone at any time. You see, sometimes we tend to move into more of a transactional model of grace. We tend to think that even though grace is unearned, some people earn it more than others. So we judge others by how much work they've put into their grace. They've earned their grace because they've spent so much time in church and service to others and on and on it goes. Surely they will be treated better than the person who receives grace on their deathbed, like the thief on a cross. Ah. But the problem is that isn't how grace works. We don't earn our grace after the fact by doing good works. We don't pay it back, so to speak. We do it out of the gratefulness of our hearts. And if we do it assuming we're going to be rewarded for it, then we are negating God's grace and choosing to work under a model of merit. But again, that's not how grace works. Grace is undeserved forgiveness given by God to you through Jesus Christ, and it's based on zero merit. You know, you know the old song, it doesn't go like this. It doesn't say, deserving grace, how sweet the sound that saved a saint like me. 
I was never really lost. I found my own way. I was a little fuzzy, but now I see. No, that's not what we sing. Of course not. We sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. You see, when we're honest, we realize we're hopeless on our own. Now, it may be a stretch to say we are wretches. You know, we are still made in the image of God. We are capable of great good. But we are in need of mercy, for we cannot pay the debt of sin on our own. But thank goodness we don't have to. God offers us grace and forgiveness because he loves us. But the same is true for the person down the street whom you don't have much grace or compassion for. God's grace is like that. It's far more reaching and all-encompassing than ours usually is. So we sometimes chafe at it, but we have to be careful. We don't want to be like the older son in the prodigal story. You remember that one, don't you? It's another parable, but just to review, a son takes his father's inheritance, leaves the family, spends it all foolishly, runs into dire straits, and decides he's going to return to his family as a hired hand. He assumes he's not fit to be his father's son anymore because of all that he's done. So he goes back to his father, but before he can even apologize, his father is just greets him with a hug. He's so happy to see him. He thought he was dead. Now he's alive. And the father throws this huge party for him. But then there's the older brother. When the older brother finds out that a party has been thrown for their wayward, his wayward brother who came back, he's upset. He tells his dad, he says, why are we throwing a party for this guy who deserted us and did all these horrible things and made all these horrible choices? Why are we, why are we throwing a party for him? I, I've never left you. I've always been here doing the right thing. Why do I not get a party? Valid questions for sure. But we don't want to be like that older son. We don't want to have that attitude of bitterness towards people who may earn it less than others in our minds. So instead of being like the older son, instead of being a weed spotter or pulling weeds as we talked about last week, let us be known as a grace-filled people. Let us be ready to show grace towards others so that you know we share the good news of God's grace and we can enjoy we can rejoice with others when they experience that grace. Amen. God bless and have a great week.